Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Happy Saturday, everybody. It's your two old bloggers, me, Dave, and Darren over there. We've been commenting on your Minnesota Vikings publicly for over two decades apiece. That's why we get our name. We're old timers. What do we want? We want to see Super Bowl win before we die. Everybody hears that? Well, the Vikings may have taken steps to do just that. What am I talking about? Well, they found their man. They finally closed the deal on a defensive coordinator. It's the one I wanted straight from the get-go. It's probably the best one. But did they make it easy on us? Of course they didn't. We went through all sorts of heart palpitations and worrying that everybody was going to be lost to some other team. So, in the end, turned out pretty good. But how is Brian Flores, that man, going to turn around the 31st-ranked defense? Good question. We'll talk about it. Then we're going to talk about, in our State of the Viking series, we're moving on to my favorite section, the O-line, the big round bellies. What is the situation there? We have Brian O'Neill, who's coming off an injury. Will he be ready? We have... Center and Garrett Bradbury, who's an unrestricted free agent. Will he be gone? Will the young guy, Ed Ingram, improve to be better than he was? Does the rest of the line continue to improve under Coach Cooper? Let's hope so. We'll find out. And also, last but not least, we ask the question, what is the future of Adam Thielen? Does the great Minnesota story continue with the Vikings or will he be somewhere else in 2023? Next on Two Old Blocks. Climb in the pocket. Dave Norseman and Lake Monster Brewing presents Two Old Bloggers. Starting now. Hey everybody, it's Dave here, Darren over there. We're your Two Old Bloggers. Darren, how are things in the great white north? Pretty good, Dave. Just waiting uh, on Super Bowl tomorrow. And uh, we're we, not one of our themes uh, for this week's show, but want to congratulate Justin Jefferson, NFL Offensive Player of the Year. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. I don't yes. really have too much more to say about it. The guy's awesome. But uh, hopefully this is the, uh, the first of multiple NFL Offensive Player of the Year awards that J.J. is going to win. In a Viking uniform. I hope so, too. And uh, hopefully, eventually, he uh, wins the MVP and it no longer becomes a quarterback-only award. He was a finalist, but we all know everybody loves their quarterbacks. Well, 
Yeah, we, we knew Mahomes was getting it or Jalen Hurts was getting it. Yep. And um, that's just the way it goes. Most and we'll see times. them tomorrow and see which one of those two shines. So hopefully both of them do. Yeah. Let's start this show. We wanted to start off with, we named it, the state of the O-line and the D.C. search is over. That is where we are going with this, and we are going to start right now with theme one. We got our man. Can Brian Flores turn the defense around? It was pretty hairy there last week, Dave. Our last okay. show, we were talking about uh, Ijero Evero. Hey, he's he's not coming back to Denver. He's agreed. You know, it looks like he's going to get interviewed for the de- defensive coordinator job in Minnesota. Oh, good news! That means we could have either him potentially or Flores. Then he drops out, takes the Carolina defensive coordinator job. Um, and then we've, we're down to Mike Patton and Flores, but Flores is still a candidate for the Cardinals job. You know what you were thinking? You know what I was thinking? It was like, we're going to end up with Patton, guaranteed. Every Vikings fan was thinking that, yes. And then, but then Flores doesn't, decides, I don't want the Cardinals job. I'm coming to Minnesota as the defensive coordinator. Hallelujah. Great hire. The right hire. I think, David, you already mentioned it. He was your number one guy from he the was. get-go. So. You were as happy as anything with me. Again, he was like 1A or Avero would be 1B. But either or I would have been pleased with. But we got Flores and bang, again, great hire, I think. And very happy that we don't have Mike Pettin as the defensive coordinator. Uh, You uh, and me both. He could sit there and advise from on high. Yes. And hopefully not screw shit up too badly. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, sure, we can provide his advice, but uh, I'm sure Flo- and Flores will uh, take that into consideration. But Flores, being the personality is the defense, he's going to do it like Frank Sinatra. It's going to be his my way, his way, mm-hmm. and I think his way, Dave, is going to be. Uh, it's it's pretty clear that the defense, Vikings defense in 2023, is going to look a lot different, uh, and uh, than it did under Ed Donatel. And I think that the big thing is that. When he was, um, when he became uh, pressure is the big thing at Miami. Even though he wasn't the defensive coordinator in Miami, his his last two years they blitzed basically forty percent of the time, which is a ton. The Vikings under Ed Donatel last year blitzed just under nineteen percent of the time. Um, so we're going to see a lot of blitzing. When he was in Miami as the head coach at his introductory press conference. Uh, he hasn't had an introductory press conference with the Vikings, I don't think, at this point. So we haven't really got to hear what his vision for the Vikings' defense is at this point. I'll be really interested to hear hear that when he does get uh, put in front of the media and has his media availability. But in Miami, when he was head coach, he talked about the importance of being multiple, uh, giving multiple looks for your defense. Uh, kind of like what Kevin O'Connell said last year offensively about the importance of having multiple looks offensively. So... Flores likes to mix it up. He also had talked about back then about how every game you got to approach, you know, have a defensive, uh, different defensive game plan uh, because every offense is different. They've got different players that do different things well. And so you can't just always run the same stuff every week and expect to be effective. So uh, those things are, those things are going to be things that if that proves to be how Flores runs things in Minnesota, Viking fans, I think are going to be pretty happy with that approach. 
Howdy, GMAC, and howdy, everybody else that, that's on here. So, um, you, you know, hearing really like what, uh, what uh, you, you know, like the hire, like what I think Forrest is going to bring. One of the key things, Dave, and you can chime in here and talk to mm-hmm. about lots of stuff too, but uh, with this blitz pressures, one of the things that Forrest is noted for is that uh, you never know where the pressure is going to come from. Could be a safety, could be a corner, could be linebackers, could be in, could be your your lineman. But what he likes to create a lot of uh, confusion pre-snap and even post-snap, and uh, he'll come at his pressures and his blitzes from different guys, not what the quarterback is expecting. So he's going to create uh, a lot of um, for opposing quarterbacks. He likes to create confusion amongst them, and confusion is something that at Donatel's defense did not create for opposing quarterbacks <laughs> last no. year. They were they were rarely confused with what we were doing. They seemed to know what we were doing before we even did it, and uh, so the confusion that's great. I think that he's um, and. What's also good about his defenses is in the videos I've watched is that uh, by creating that confusion, he also has uh, likes to choke off what the quarterback thinks is going to be their their read or their mm-hmm. hot read to get rid of the ball where somebody's going to be open for that pressure. He likes to choke off those openings with interesting coverages. So mm-hmm. just creates a lot of uncertainty, uh, puts the quarterback under a lot of mental stress and the offensive line because they got to call, uh, you know, pass pass protection and that, that sort of thing. I think that this is uh, going to be a welcome welcome change for the Vikings defense mm-hmm. in twenty twenty three. Todd saying that graphics of Tomlin it very well may be. However, when I ripped it off the internet, it said uh, it said Flores. What? Anyways, no, I agree wholeheartedly. I think, I think, all right, one thing that Mike Zimmer was good at was making blitz packages and disguising, yes. you know, who was doing what. Well, they're bringing the linebackers up into the A-gaps, bringing Harrison uh, Smith up, uh, doing corner blitzes, whatever. He did that mind game with opposing quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers is one of the best that has commented on how always playing Mike Zimmer's defense was a chess match, right? Because, and Harry was the key of that. He tried to figure out what was going on the way Hitman was lined up, and he so many times got that screwed up. Well, I think that we're going to get the same sort of, not the exact same, but the same sort of thing with Flores, he wants to build his defense that when a quarterback comes up, just like KOC does on the offense, that they're, they're going to see, you know, a lineup that looks the same, but nothing works the same as the previous time they saw it. They want it different. They want to get into the quarterback's head, you know, whether and he does play usually one safety back, one safety up. And that safety, perfect safety for that is Harrison Smith. He's the one that just absolutely rocked at that. Um, And it messes with the quarterback's mind because they don't know who's coming. It messes with the center's mind because they're going to sit there. Well, is this linebacker to Mike? Is that linebacker to Mike? Are we? Do we need to shade, call the blocking to the left side or to the right side? And the more you do that, the more successful you could be because you confuse them. They make the wrong calls, 
bam, sack, right? Sack is a negative play. Defense loves sacks. Getting negative plays helps the Vikings. It helps their defense and it helps their offense because it is a negative play. You're pushing the opponent back. It is something to go for. He also emphasizes turnovers and generating turnovers, whether it be through defensive back play and getting interceptions or swarming and hitting the ball and getting fumbles. Somebody that emphasizes turnovers can generate a ton of them. And if I, if I, if I remember correctly, he led the league in one or two of the years he was at Miami in generating turnovers. That, again, helps the Vikings. It helps both the offense and the defense because it gives the ball back to the offense, and it's usually in better field position than especially what we saw with Donatel, where it's March, 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 March. Yeah. All right, let's hold up in the red zone, right? Well, your field position for the offense after that is crappy. You want to be able to get that earlier. So if you can do that, that helps the offense. The offense has more of a chance to score because it's already proven. You can think of it just it's a logical deal. The closer you are to scoring, the more likelihood you are to score, right? If you're starting back on your own 10 and you got to go 90 yards, that's tougher than starting on the opponent's 30 or 45 and having to only go that distance. That's the way he runs his defense. That, and the final thing is, he learned under Bill Belichick. We've talked about this. And Bill Belichick was a master of optimizing the players he had and scheming around that. He do has your shown, job. Yes, do your job. He has shown that in Miami. He helped with it in Pittsburgh last year. And as GMAC says, this is exactly what we need for our defense. And I think by far, you know, he was my number one favorite because of the experience. He's been through all that. Being a head coach is going to help KOC. He's got that whole deal going with him. But the whole philosophy on how he runs, he'll take chances. We'll get burned a couple plays. You got to remember yes. that um, he's going to have corners playing aggressive. They may get burned on one or two plays. And it may cost us a score. But overall, when all that starts to kick in, it becomes advantage the Vikings. It becomes an advantage mentally against your enemy, and it becomes an advantage because more likely than not, they're turning that into turnovers and great plays and negative plays for the, the opposing offense. And that's the way defense can play complementary complimentary football with a high-powered offense. You do both, there's no stopping you. And I think this is a fantastic hire. But the question is, how quickly can they get it done? Yeah, Dave, The uh, like you were talking about, Flores is a guy that uh, one thing, he, he wants to dictate to the offense and not be dictated to. And again, I think that that's going to... Uh, 
as long as it works well, Viking fans are really going to like that. Um, but how quickly can he get it done? Well, he still needs the players. <laughs> like, like Mike Zimmer, you mentioned. Mike Zimmer was great at coming up with blitz packages when he blitzed inventive, confused the offensive line, confused the quarterback. But he did that. And even in 2021, when we got quite a few sacks as a team, even 2021, 2020, under Mike Zimmer, running those inventive blitz, blitz packages, the Vikings defense was still crappy. Uh, so you need players. The Vikings have some good players on the defense right now. Daniil Hunter being one of them, Zedarius mm-hmm. Smith, if they keep him being another. But they need a lot more. And so that's going to be part of Forrest's job too. I think he's going to be heavily involved in in both draft-wise, who are we drafting defensively in April, and also in who do we keep on defense this year that we already have under contract or who is a potential free agent, somebody like Dalvin Tomlinson, does he stay or does he go for us is going to have a, a large um, uh, like input in that because it's his defense now and he's going to want the guys that he thinks best suit it. Uh, but why did and, I, and then that there's in? the free agent. I don't know. <laughs> it looks like outer space or something. It's fairy dust. Right, because uh, yeah, like a because Forrest can't he just can't spray fairy dust and make our defense great. Uh, yes, a coach can only do so much as good as you are, and you need players. And so draft, free agency, who we're going to retain, who we're going to let go. Uh, Forrest is going to have a big impact in that. And if he is making the right decisions, or his input is is uh and what what he's looking for in players if Quasi listens to that and is able to go out and get those players that's also going to determine along with Forrest's coaching acumen that's going to determine how much better the Vikings defense is in 2023 compared to 2022 I, I think we we were expecting there'll be several changes in the Vikings defense people are going to connect the dots now David and say okay well um, who are the free agents in Pittsburgh who are the free agents in Miami that he'll be looking to bring in there there are several of them uh, Olandon Roberts the linebacker with Miami um, Nick Needham the cornerback who's coming off a you know pretty serious knee injury is, is a free agent with Miami. Uh, a guy to watch, um, uh, Chris Warmly is a, uh, you know, uh, on the edge defense, uh, edge guy for Pittsburgh. He's a free agent, uh, not a starter, but he's been there a while. He would have worked under Flores this year in Pittsburgh. A uh, guy I think to watch out for because I, the Vikings certainly are we're going to be looking for a cornerback depth and a veteran cornerback because I think with this but Forrest coming in at de- at, as a defensive coordinator, going to be running a lot of blitz packs, packages, going to be expecting his, uh, his going to be putting his team in a lot of man coverage. I think this means Patrick Peterson is not going to come back to the Vikings because this defensive scheme does not suit uh, Patrick Peterson's skills at this point in his career. He's talked about how he really liked Donatel's system. He had a very good year last year playing in a lot of zone with his eyes on the quarterback all the time man coverage I don't think that that's Patrick Peterson's game anymore and I don't think Flores is going to think that Patrick Peterson is a good fit for this defense uh, in 2023 Um, so I think with with a guy to watch out for as a potential free agent um, is Cam Sutton the cornerback with Pittsburgh if he gets to free agency if Pittsburgh doesn't uh, re-sign him he'll be 28 at the end of this month he had a pretty good year last year with the Steelers. Uh, he's not one of the top tier free agent cornerbacks, in my opinion. So the Vikings, who have some cap issues, might be able to 
afford get a relatively uh, inexpensive yeah. free agent corner. Yeah, for a, for a cornerback in free agency, they might be able to get something you know reasonable, whatever you consider reasonable to be. But he'd be a guy that I think that would be um, would be of interest to Flores and to the Vikings with this new defensive scheme that we're expecting or philosophy that we're expecting to see out of Brian Flores. Well, you might also want to look at Patriots players because yes. even though they may have been not directly under Flores back when he was there, they come under the same basic philosophy that he teaches under Belichick, and they might be good fits as well. So that's another spot to look for possible connections when we get into free agency, which starts – uh, legal tampering is the March early March, and uh, and then the fifteenth starts it, if I remember correctly, on the dates. So, be prepared that you know you might see something from there. That won't be shocking, you know. If he pulls somebody off of the Rams, that may be shocking. On a Flores point of view, that may not be on a KOC point of view. But say he picks somebody off the Browns. It, you know, pick your team. It, yeah. But the ones that are connected are obviously the Dolphins, the Steelers, and I would say the Patriots. The Patriots. Now, last year when KOC became the head coach, we got to remember um, there was lots of speculation about which Rams he was going to bring to the Vikings, on, particularly on offense. Well, the only Ram that ended up signing with us was Johnny Munt. So, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, don't over uh, don't oversell Over-esque. this whole. Yeah. This whole thing about how, oh, well, he he was a head coach in Miami. He was a linebacker's coach in Pittsburgh. Look at all. Just, you know, zero in on those free agents on those two teams in New England, too. And those are going to be the guys we're going to target. Not necessarily. But right. it makes sense that, you know, one you know, a few of those guys will be of interest. Do we have the money to sign them? Are they interested in signing here? Can Flores, uh, how interested is Flores in any of those free agents? We don't know any of those things. But we're going to find out in short order. And, um, again, just excited about this hire, what it can mean for the Vikings defense in 2023. And, uh, Dave, there's a, there's an old Canadian band. Uh, they had a big hit here in the late seventies called Trooper. They had a song okay. called we're here for a good time, not a long time. Yeah. And I think that that's what we, hopefully that's what the Brian Flores is going to be well, in Minnesota yeah, because we, he, he's got head coaching, head coaching aspirations. And uh, if he, if I don't think he's going to, if he, he, I think he'll be here two years max, and uh, and that could well, that'll be a good. We want thing the two years because then we get the third round picks. If it's one year, yes. uh, if it's one year, it's we don't get the picks, but it's not that bad because it would have meant the defense got that much better in a hurry. So, yeah, yeah. I hope but it's two. Um, I saw a couple questions fly by. I don't remember who said it, but wondering if we'll ever see what he gets paid. I strongly doubt that, but I bet it's pretty good for a defensive coordinator. And then uh, Purple Haze talk about Peterson should retire and become a coach. I love the fact, Purple Haze, that P2 sits with all those corners and goes through all that film and mentors them, brings them over, and tells them this is how you be a professional one that's obviously going into the Hall of Fame because Pat P is going into the Hall of Fame in the future. I love that idea. Don't expect it anytime soon, however, 
unfortunately. But if the Vikings did resign Pat P, I see him in that mentorship role more than hopefully a starting role. Because hopefully we have starters that are young, fast, aggressive, and just literally outplay him for that spot in this style of defense. I think in Dan Henneman mentioned, I think it was Dan in the uh, in the comments talking about how we, we need to groom a young guy on us, get a young guy to groom for Flores because, again, we don't expect he'll be here very long. And mm-hmm. actually, it was, so somebody to take over for Flores after he leaves either after 2023 or 2024. And again, I, I actually hope that happens because that will mean more than likely that the Vikings defense was really, really good while Flores was here. And that's that's what we want. And we uh, want to continue that. Yes, mm-hmm. that's right. No, I that's agree wholeheartedly. Great suggestion, Dan. Great suggestion. That brings us to the end of theme one, which brings us to That's Badass Wood Art. Our buddy Lewis always says you can get 20% off using CT Pocket as your promo code off any individual piece. He works hard at it. This week he came out with something simple. It's a Norseman outline with a bottle cap opener on it. See, this would Mm. look good on my liquor cabinet that I have on the side of it. Just when I have when I'm in the mood for beer, it's right there. Perfect in your man den. All you got all you gotta do is pick out the color and what you want. It is great. And like I said, you can get it for 20% off with the promo code CT Pocket. Wonder if he's doing uh, doing up a piece with Brian Flores here this week. <laughs> That's a good question. We'll have to ask him. That brings us on to a thing to Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger. Feel like you. Add volume for lifting contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. My favorite topic, the O-line. Sure is, Dave. This is, um, 
our second run at uh, taking a look at the Vikings positional units. Last week we looked at running backs, and this week we're looking at the offensive line, the big round bellies, David mm-hmm. Stefano's passion in life in football, uh, other than the Minnesota Vikings, is talking yes. about the offensive line. So yes. Love he'll have lots of lots of big. Uh, I'm sure he'll have lots of opinions on this one. But just uh, we're going to go kind of go over uh, how the Vikings are looking on the offensive line heading into this uh, heading into the 2023 season, and what changes there might be in, with the offensive line. And, and actually, I think Dave that. Uh, um, that the offensive line actually is probably one of the most set and uh, positional units we have on the Vikings right now, because uh, pretty much um, four of the five starting positions are, are set right now. Um, Christian Derrissaw, look at, look at up there. Uh, he's your left tackle. Brian O'Neill, he's going to be your right tackle. When he'll be your right tackle in 2023, we're not quite sure yet. Uh, with that partially torn Achilles, that could impact his availability at the start of the year. We hope not. But, but we'll find out more about that. But but he's your right tackle with healthy. Ezra Cleveland's going to be your left guard. And Ed Ingram, even though he played pretty poorly last year as a rookie, he was a rookie. He is a high draft pick. Uh, I think there's a lot of room for improvement from him. I know you'd like him. And he's going to be given every chance to succeed in 2023. I don't see the Vikings bringing in anybody uh, to compete with him at right guard, really. He's going to be in at right guard. Here, I wanted to go through each individual player. In that group. Awesome. First up, we have Christian Derisaw. As you can see, any player in PFF that scores over a 90, and he has a 90.4 offensive grade, is elite. Mm-hmm. He was a third ta- best tackle for run blocking, eighth for pass blocking, and second overall on offense in his Second year, that's not amazing, bad, folks. There's nothing but up. This man is going to end up being the best left tackle in the league. And if he keeps it up and he keeps this growth up, he has a promising, promising career ahead of him. And next on that list, as we talked about, Brian O'Neill. Brian O'Neill isn't half bad either when it comes to offensive tackles. He's seventh overall. So you have the number two and the number seven of all the offensive tackles in the NFL. And he is doing well. He's already on his second contract. We know that. And there's room in that contract to move money around to help us get under the cap because they did it the right way. Brian O'Neill's coming off that partially torn, thankfully not fully torn, Achilles. We don't know when he'll be ready. They hope to have him ready by the start of the season. We shall see. Remember when Lodeholt went through his torn Achilles, he was never quite the same. This is partially torn, so hopefully the, the same or better, especially coming through rehab, comes back out. We shall see. We don't want to lose either of these two bookends because there's no other team that I'm aware of that has two top 10 bookends on their O-lines. That is a key to success and long-term success, and we all want that long-term success, building that championship quality team that's competing every year for the 
championship. Now, Ezra's got a pay bump and a fifth-year option. Ezra's the next guy up here. As you can see, Purple Haze, Ezra's not bad either. He's the eighth-ranked overall guard, which is sort of surprising. Eighth-ranked overall guard in the NFL per PFF. His pass-blocking grade is meh. Uh, I want that to get better. Pretty pretty bad. His run blocking grade is good, but that's not bad for a converted tackle. Because when we originally drafted him, we all thought he was going to be a left tackle. Nope, they made him a right guard. Makes perfect sense, right, Zimmer? Anyways. But he's adapted, and he's become better and better every single season. Now, Purple Hayes talked about that fifth-year option. Oh, I'm trying to remember if he was a first-round selectee. Um, he was a second-rounder. Second-rounder, so he doesn't get that for fifth year. Um, but there's already talks, it's already leaked, about an extension for Ezra Cleveland. The Vikings want to keep him. They give him an extension that also helps with bringing the cap down for this coming-up season. And he gets paid, and he's on the team for the next four or five years or however long the extension is. And I think that's a good thing. You have Ezra and you have Christian Derisaw side by side. I think we're going to see a lot of that just nailing that left side down. I think it's going to be a beautiful thing. Uh, two mil increase, probably could be. Uh, he's, well, when you're talking extension, he's going to be second contract range for a guard, probably. I'm betting eight to ten million or better. So total per APY. We'll see. Your other guard here, my young boy, Ed Ingram, who shows flashes his absolutely brilliance, powers there. <clears throat> but he has some bad habits oversetting. Uh getting off balance just a bit, not having his hand out, not working, coming. Well, I shouldn't say coming too quickly off the Garrett Bradbury. I blame him for coming too quickly off the block. But he's gotten better, and he got better over time. His pass block rate got a little bit better. It shows here is horrible. Um, that's because he gave up 11 sacks total and 33 hurries, which the hurries isn't bad. Um, his efficiency rate down there in the bottom, which I have in green, is a 95.2. That's low for starting guards. You want it in the 97-ish range is where you want it, uh, or better. But we shall see. But he's only, he's not that far off from locking it in. And it's like I've said before, offensive line is one of those long-term developmental projects. It usually takes, on average, three years, three to four years for an offensive lineman to develop in the NFL, to make that transition and develop and grow and get to where he's good. I think Ed Ingram will be good and a lot better next season, especially with the offseason. Hopefully get some with somebody like Booney who's willing to give him advice for free, coaching, and gets better over the top. Then we get to the guy that is an unrestricted free agent had his best season of his Vikings career. 
his first uh, three years sucked. This year, he actually looked competent and good, all up until the point he got his back injury. And even though he returned from that back injury, he did not look as good as prior to it. PFF loved him, though. Uh, other than pass blocking, they still have him low on pass blocking. Well, that's his highest pass blocking rating in the four yeah, years that, that PFF has been grading him by, yes. by fair. Yes. And his run blocking, we always knew was great because he's he's got speed and can easily get out to the second level, and he's good at doing it. He makes the right decisions. Uh, uh, like I said, I had a little heartburn when he passed off a stunt to Ed Ingram, and Ed Ingram wasn't ready, and I thought it was a little early. But it works. He's an unrestricted free agent. What do we do here, Darren? What do we do here? Well, um, here's what I think we're going to do for what that's worth. But uh, I uh, like, again, Bradbury had a solid year this year. He's really the only question. He's the only question mark on the Vikings starting five. And, um, the, I, you know, I think the Vikings, what I've seen is, and this is from PFF again, they're saying that they think Bradbury can get like a three-year deal worth about uh, just under $19 million, uh, or roughly $6 million a year in free agency this year. That's where they think he can land. I think that, you know, the Vikings are going to look at this. Okay, Bradbury was pretty good last year and solid in, in the system, in a new system. Um, he responded well to that. Uh, internally, we don't have a young up-and-coming guy to take his place. I don't think the Vikings would be very comfortable. They've got Chris Reed under contract. I don't think they'd be comfortable turning the starting center over to, to Bradbury uh, or Austin Slotman, who actually was Bradbury's backup this year but was pretty poor in that that role until he broke his fibula and then was gone for the rest of the year. So, and Josh Sokol, Sokol was on the practice squad the whole year. So mm-hmm. we don't have anybody internally who could obviously go in place of Bradbury if we were to let him go in free agency. Also draft wise, we know we right now we're only going to have the five picks at, at the moment. So the Vikings don't, and they don't have a second round pick right now. So we can't, uh, we can't at this point turn to the, the draft and say, look in the, perhaps the second round or the third round and pick somebody in a plug-and-play uh, plug center from the college ranks to replace Bradbury that way. Unless we want to go after Schmitz in the first round from the University of Minnesota, the Golden Gopher, but I don't think we're doing that. And I don't think, Dave, I don't think you think that we're going to do that either. But Oh, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't make um, – it doesn't make logical sense on how you build – a uh, yes, a team, and how to use your first round picks for premier players or blue chippers. Um, if a blue chipper is anybody that's going to instantly start and make a difference straight from the get go, um, somebody that's expected to be outstanding and future Pro Bowler, etc., that's your blue chippers. Is John Michael Schmitz considered a blue chipper? And most blue chippers go in the top 10. Now, I'm not saying John Michael Schmitz is going in the top 10. Nobody takes a center that high that I'm aware of. But does he qualify for that? And would they take him at 23? Now, we all hope that at that point, if he's available at 23, Quasi evaluates who's behind him, who might want him, 
and then trade back and get in front of whatever that is, but gain a yes. pick, in, pick in the process if that's their target. Um, I would love having John Michael Schmitz on the team. I think it would be absolutely fantastic. Another great Minnesota local story. And I think the kid can play. I think he could be that day one starter. And a much better replacement for Bradbury. But Bradbury was a first-round pick. And I think we reached for him, and it bit us in the butt because he played lousy the first three years. Schmidt, uh, from what I've seen and what I'm being told, is not Bradbury. This kid could play in the NFL tomorrow. Without a doubt, he's an older guy, got caught up in that whole COVID and the extra year eligibility stuff. But he's fully developed, and he could easily play. Whether we draft him that high, I don't know. I would love to fall back, get some extra picks, and pick him high in the second. That would be my dream scenario. But then, and and why you would do it versus, we obviously need defense, right? We need a cornerback. We need to go start rebuilding that defense, no matter what. People have talked about we could use good wide receiver to somebody to take the top off. Yes, that would make wild sense for the Vikings, right, for that offense. But I can also see if we lock down a center that is the future that falls into the realm of the great Viking centers we've had since the 70s on through that could last 10 years that are at the top of their game, that could be, when you talk about Pro Bowls, well, you kind of always look at the Viking center. He had a great season, right? One of those types, when it comes to building that long-term championship quality, winning caliber of team, you can't pass up on that. To me, you can't, because that then becomes part of that long term look that puts us in the window not just in one or two years but puts us in the window for 10 and if you get to that point that's when I pull the trigger on this young man I think he would be great here but do I logically think it's going to happen that way no I'm sorry folks I don't think it's going to happen that way because I think Quasi will probably go the other route Defense, cornerback, offense, wide receiver, something like that. A more premier position that makes a bigger difference game in and game out when it comes to points expected or points, you know, on the opposite side for defense against than the center. But I think the center, if we get Schmitz, could be that rock that we rely on for the next decade, and I would love to see it. Don't get your hopes up. We're going to talk about it from now until the draft. But sorry, folks. We, yeah, we are. The, the, the things that the Vikings have to make a decision on Bradbury before the draft even happens. And uh, so I think that the Vikings, if they could, if they can, they'll, I think they will want to keep Bradbury, but the price has to be right. And I think that if they could get Bradbury for a, a three or four year deal, that's worth about 6 million per year. I think that they're, they're going to take that. Now, 
we don't know how much they want to invest in the offensive line because right. they, they've already paid big for O'Neill. They're going to have to pay big for Derrissaw in a year or two. You got right. Cleveland who you got to decide if you want to extend him. No offensive line can pay big money to all five of its starters. Mm-hmm. At some point, you have to make a decision, and the decision usually is, well, we want the tackles, and then we'll right. figure out the rest. Uh, so we've already, it's pretty clear that unless Derrissaw retires because of some injury reason, that he's going to be extended and get a lot of dinero in like a couple of years. But I still feel that the, the, the free agent market, free agent center market is weak. Like Bradbury is probably the top third or fourth best option in that. So, and anybody you sign outside of Bradbury is probably going to cost even more than it would cost to sign Bradbury. So mm-hmm. free agency, I don't think is, is an option for the Vikings. I think they're going to stick with Bradbury because they don't have any in-house guys, uh, cheap guys that they get. Like Reed, I could I could live with Reed, Reed at here center. Had the great pass block, and yeah. it's only 124 snaps. You can see, yes. I threw up the snaps, total snaps played on offense this season. He had a hundred. 124, a great pass blocking grade, unlike Bradbury. Yes. But the rest of his game is what lacked, and that's why he got such a low score. And like you said, we have Sokol in the practice squad. I'm sure they're going to try to bring him back as developmental, but uh, it's it's been a while for that. But it's um, – this is a little – I think that – yeah, well, I think that uh, I think that Bradbury, the Vikings, are going to bring him back, re-sign him to a deal. Some fans aren't going to be happy with that, and that'll solidify the front front five. Then you've got what you're going to do with your backups, your depth. Well, uh, I think Reed, who you've pictured a couple of times, he's only he's under contract for next year for pretty reasonable around two point five oh, yeah. million. I, he's got he's got versatility. He can play guard. He can play center. So he's a good guy to bring back. Schlotman, not really sure. Uh, obviously Chris Cooper, the offensive line coach had coached him, was familiar with him. He was a low cost guy that, that, that they brought in last year, but he didn't play very well when he was the backup. Uh, and he's the kind of guy that, that, you know, I think you can get a, a veteran at a vet minimum like him, two or three of those guys every year. Uh, so I, I, but because of his familiarity with Cooper, because of the way that Cooper brought him in last year, if he recover, if the Vikings are confident that he had a his recovery is going well from the from the fractured uh, leg, the, and the fact that he can be, he's shown that they were comfortable enough with him as a backup center last year. He's a guy who can also can play guard too. He'd be another guy that I could see them bring him back, but I'm not 100 percent on that. I wouldn't I wouldn't be. Uh, disappointed if they didn't resign him and they brought in somebody, you know, some other no name <laughs> that, that again, that you bring in uh, because out of the various offensive linemen, journeyman, offensive linemen, mm-hmm. veteran that you can get for vet minimum um, on that. end, the one guy, the reserve guy I'd like to have back, but I don't think is going to be back is Oliudo. Um, we saw him. He, he went in there at right tackle You've got the grades there. Look pretty good. Again, short, small mm-hmm. sample size. But I thought through the eye test that when he had to come in for Brian O'Neill at the end of the year, you didn't notice him. And that's a good thing for a tackle. Like there was no – he's well, giving up a ton that. of pressure. That's a 79.5. Yeah. That's going to – the deal is that's going to earn him a starting job somewhere. That's right. Because because he's an unrestricted free agent, he's going to get a starting job somewhere. Is he going to get really top tackle money? No. Is he going to get good tackle money? Yes. 
and there's no way that the Vikings can match that. Um, I think in any sort of way, shape, or form. I think he's the perfect backup for Brian O'Neill. He was this season. He found his spot, right tackle. He played it well. He's a hugger in the fact that uh, how he plays his lineman style is very much the Green Bay way where you sort of hug and grab around uh, rather than grab it at the chest. But it works. And you can see he was successful at it. And you can see that sack numbers in almost 200 snaps, zero. There's guys with less than 200 snaps that gave up sacks. Um, and you see that efficiency rating. That's a 98.7. Yes, just under 200 snaps is a small sample size. But, folks, that was good play. You've got to uh, – I'd love to have him back as backup, especially if Brian O'Neill is slow coming off the mend. For that Achilles, it'd be nice to, you know, say he can't play at the beginning of the season. It'd be nice to have Ole in there. But like I said, I don't anticipate it because I expect he will be targeted as a primary offensive tackle-free agent available uh, across the league, and there'll be teams looking to get his services. They will, and, and Ali Udo will be looking for a place where he can play more because that's not going to mm-hmm. happen in Minnesota with, with O'Neill on the at right tackle. And even if you had him switch over to left tackle, well, Darisaw's there. Yeah. So he's not going to be back, which is too bad. And the Vikings already they drafted kind of a successor to Ali Udo and Vidarian Lowe, who didn't get much playing time last year and didn't even seconds. dress for a lot of games. But he played basically in the Chicago game, and that was about it at the end of the year. But uh, – he was a guy coming out of college, uh, gave up a lot of pressures, but uh, the measurables were great. You know, the length in the arms, the height, 6'6", six, six, great characters, got the right size, everything just needed to be coached up more was the the, the college scouting report in Vidarian Lowe. And he's had a year to be coached up and now another year to get coached up. And and so I think the Vikings are going to move him into the, the other backup slot uh, that and take Aliudo's place. And then Blake Brandle stays as a low-cost guy who's been improving every year. He's been uh, with the Vikings and uh, not fantastic, but uh, I think the Vikings are comfortable with him as a, as a veteran uh, left tackle backup. Right. And, and he sticks around too. And then the Vikings sign, you know, two, three, four other offensive linemen in the offseason. The Jesse Davises, the Chris Reed kind of signings. Uh, the guys that aren't going to cost you a lot, but can compete for a backup job and have some uh, position flexibility. And here with uh, Blake, I wanted to compare. Take Ole, who was almost 200 snaps and zero sacks, right? And I think he had like one hurry or whatever, versus Blake, who in 275 snaps had seven sacks given up. And yes. 13 pressures. There's... There's a night and day. That's why Olu's going to go get himself a starting job somewhere. Um, but I fully, fully understand it. I think it's up to this guy to continue to improve them. And I'm going to say, uh, I do acknowledge that Chris Cooper, our line coach, did help this year. The team did play better. I think scheming was part of it. Kirk Moore in the shotgun gave Bradbury more time to set up different things, but I think Cooper did make a positive impact on that offensive line. I look forward to year two 
once you know everybody gets that full off season, they know they know the pattern. They know you know because everybody coming in last year, it was all new. They were trying to figure stuff out. How was the best way to run it? Now we get in the year two. Pardon me. It's all set, and they go into it. And I think you see that leap next leap forward. Uh, Dan is talking about there's some centers in the third and fourth round. Yes, Dan, I agree. There are some competent centers lower in the draft. My question is, are they day one professional starters? I think the only one in the draft that falls into that category is Smits. That's why. Now, could you get one of them and develop them? Oh, absolutely. You know, the Vikings made great choices in the past of getting sixth and seventh rounders and developing in, into outstanding centers. It's just, it's it's harder when you need it right now. That's the difference. And in, I, I, what I expect, and I, Dave, I think you expect too, is that Quasey, just like he did last draft, uh, although he's got less draft capital, but he's going to be wheeling and dealing again this draft. Potentially we're going to get out of that 23rd spot out of the first round altogether and grab a, a, a second or an extra third and just get two or three additional picks. And then at that point, then maybe center is in play uh, in in our draft in April. Right now, with a first, a third, a fourth, and 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 then a, a, a couple of fifths, a, a fifth or a couple of fifths, uh, you don't have as much. Like you're, you're looking at, if you're going to draft an offensive lineman or a center, it's probably in the fifth round or something like that at this point, because we've got those needs on defense that you've got to you, you think that they want to address in the draft. And center is if it is going to be not that it isn't isn't high on the list of needs, but um, I, I don't think that we can really afford to draft somebody in the first round at center at this point, like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, logically, it doesn't make sense. My heart says, oh, hell yes. Take Schmitz. Yeah. But logically, I'm going to have to twist in pretzels. I, if we took Schmitz, I'd be happier to clam, you know, and you're going to hear about it for weeks. But uh, yeah. logically, corner or wide receiver, to me, are basically the only two options, unless you get some stud at linebacker. Yes, Merlin, I hear you. Merlin's in the room with me. Merlin wants a center, too. Yes, he does, and he's whining about it. I wish he'd come on camera, but he's camera shot. Will the O line look whole camera. different in 2023 than it did in 2022? No, I think we're getting the same starting five back. The, the, the only the question mark to me is uh, uh, is uh, is O'Neill there in week one? Um, mm-hmm. Luckily, he didn't have the full the full tear uh, because that would be a much longer mm-hmm. uh, recovery for him. Mm-hmm. Um, something like, you know, like Cam Akers came back with LA when he tore his Achilles two years ago, but it took, he didn't come back until late in the year himself. Uh, and he, luckily he came back and looked as good as new, but, um, and so we can only hope that, uh, that, uh, O'Neal is a few months earlier because it wasn't a full tear, full tear. Achilles, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm expecting the starting five to look pretty similar. Well, Actually, that, bring, that brings us exactly to- the same. <laughs> well, I think I think we may have a new center, but mm-hmm. the other four are going to be the same, and so we'll find out. That brings us to our next promotion segment at the end of our second theme. We always go with the beer our promotion. favorite beer, Lake Monster Brewing. 
Lake Monster Brewing, located in St. Paul, Minnesota, right across the river from Minneapolis, from the stadium. They make some great beers. They love experimenting. And this week, they did some more. This week, they are debuting the Margarita Goes beer. Goes is a German wheat beer. It is a tart wheat beer, right? And in this one, they've used agave, nectar, layers of lime, lime zest, some juice puree, and hints of flavor. Uh, Goes is very salty for some reason. It's tart and it's salty, which is an interesting combination. I, I don't remember if I've ever had a German Goes. I had to look it up what a German Goes was and how they make it. It's a it's usually a warm or room temperature fer fermentation process. They use a warm yeast, and it, it's a wheat beer, uh, much like a Hefeweizen, only it's different in the fact that how it the yeast interacts with it and the temperature it does. It's called Goes. I think it's that's how you pronounce it. It's a weird O and then a O with some weird symbol above it. Um, Z-E is how it's pronounced. So as it goes. Um, and it looks very, very interesting. I generally like tart beers in the summer when I'm hot or sweaty, right? Something to cool me off. But it is available now. They made it. It's the first time they've ever made it. And they, they liken it to a margarita beer. I love margaritas. Grew up in New Mexico. I love me some good margaritas, right? Get a margarita, made it with a beer, and you get margarita goes. So it's it's an interesting beer. If you're up there, if you can make it to the brewery, I would check it out because to me it sounds fascinating. On tap, everything's basically the same. The margarita goes is the brand new one. Coconut Stout was the new one a couple weeks ago. You have your sours, your hot apple ale because it's still cold. People are ice fishing. Perfect after coming off the lake for ice fishing. And you go on down to the regulars below the depth chart. God, I love the depth chart. Gave one to my head maintenance guy, Manny. And he fell in love with that sucker. He would love to get with Lake Monster Brewing and get some more of that because he thought it was outstanding. I agree with him. It is outstanding. It brings us to theme three. What's Adam Thielen's future? I hear your dog. <laughs> yes. First we hear Merlin. Somebody now came to the front door. <laughs> came to the front door. Somebody came to the front door. I don't know who it is. Anyway, Adam Thielen. Yeah, well, uh, this is kind of uh, – We'll also get into Adam when we do our wide receiver positional analysts in a, in a week or two, but uh, uh, couldn't miss out on this because um, Thielen was at the Super Bowl, has been at the Super Bowl this week, and he's been getting interviewed by various people mm -hmm. at the Super Bowl. And so he, he got talking about his contract status and said that, uh, you know, of course, Adam Thielen's one of those guys we've talked about before, one of the many Viking veterans with high salary salaries and cap hits and the Vikings have got to make a decision on a lot of these guys, who they're going to keep, who they're going to restructure, who they're going to let go. And, uh, and 
So Thielen said, hey, you know, my agent and the Vikings are working on contract stuff right now, which is, which is, I guess, good news because, uh, again, like I said, Thielen's been a great player for us. Uh, oh, great yes. story. The story. Yeah. And the story. how he is, he's loved by the fans and he loves Minnesota and he gives so much back to it. It's, he's a fantastic, guaranteed ring of honor player. Somewhere down the line, at least for sure. And and a lot of uh, Vikings fans have a strong attachment to Adam Thielen because of the fact that he's a Minnesota boy, his whole story uh, going on with it, and and so yes, there's there's an emotional attachment for some, but the fact is that Adam Thielen's got a humongous cap hit <laughs> this coming year, just about 20, almost 20 million in 2023. And then in 2024, it jumps up even more. He'd be 21.6 million cap hit. Those are large, large cap hits for a guy who caught 70 passes last year for just over 700 yards and had six TDs. Now, um, so the Vikings got to make a decision here. Thielen knows it. And he's, he said, I'm open to staying in Minnesota. I'm open to, restructuring the contract but he also said in those interviews that he still feels that he feels great he can play at a high level and so his view on things is that he's still the player he was maybe in 2017 or 2018 i do not agree with that uh and see it now watching the all 22 there was there was tons of times he was open and just didn't throw it that direction but there was other times where we saw Kirk may have thrown his way, and he wasn't quite open. He didn't have that. He didn't have that step he usually had before. He didn't have the move. You know, I got frustrated that he kept running sideways once he caught the ball, instead of mm-hmm. turning around and going upfield. Um, yes, Merlin, you're right here. Get a little closer. You get on the camera. Uh huh. Um. <laughs> See if I can bring him into the picture so folks can see. Merlin. Are we going to get to see the big guy? There we go. There he is. Gorgeous. What a gorgeous dog. He's camera shy. Hi, Merlin. Hi, Merlin. (laughs) (laughs) But that's Merlin, folks. He's a young Great Dane. He's a butthead most of the time. But I love him. He's a good boy. It's... He's not worth what we're going to pay him, and that's what where the problem is. Now, even with a restructure, say they get him to where he needs to be. Purple yeah. Haze, yeah, you're right. That cap is not going to work whatsoever. Um, say he does restructure. Say he gets down to eight million, which I would think was relatively reasonable ballpark seven eight million, and he agrees to that. Is he your wide receiver too? Not from what I'm seeing, Dave. And the problem I think is, is that uh, I don't think KJ Osborne is wide receiver number two either. Uh, I think KJ Osborne is as good as the number three guy. And we've talked about him, but, but uh, like Thielen at this stage in his career, 33, uh, again, I didn't, uh, like you, I didn't see him. Uh, it didn't seem like he's been, it's been 35 games since he's had a hundred yard receiving game in receiving yards now part of that is part of that because justin jefferson is completely taken over and cousins is throwing the ball a lot to justin jefferson and, and not targeting Thielen as much when when Thielen is open sure but i think that 
when you again when you look at some of the the plays where Thielen either caught the ball last year in particular or where there were passes broken up cornerbacks are sticking to him they're a lot closer to him than it than it they seem to have been in previous years so I don't think he's the wide receiver number two uh even at a restructure I am Berlin wants out now he's yeah. Oh, so at this point, I, I think that I'm of the of view that I, even if he got restructured, I don't really feel that uh, I want to see Thielen back. Uh, I think we need to find another guy who can take his spot uh, on the Vikings and make our offense. If you're, if we want the defense and we talked about it, the defense needs to get younger, faster, uh, and to get better. Well, there's spots on the Vikings offense where that also has to happen. And mm-hmm. I think Thielen's position as the wide receiver number two is one of those main spots. Now, again, the Vikings have a def- difficult decision here because there's nobody on our roster, uh, and again, who can, uh, I think, can obviously slot in there. And we can say they'll be good as a wide receiver number two and perform as well as Thielen has done in that position the past couple of years. Again, K.J. Osborne's not a pretty good number number three, but I don't know if he could become the number two guy. Jalen Naylor showed some nice things in a couple of late games last year, but I'd have to see a lot more from him in the preseason to feel comfortable that he could come in and be a key part of the offense, Vikings offense in 2023 with a whole bunch of – with maybe the Thielen's uh, Mm -hmm. allotment of snaps. Uh, Draft-wise – uh, yeah, you can draft a wide receiver, but again, we've only got five picks right now. We've got a lot of needs on defense. Are we going to dip into the wide receiver pool early to get a guy who can come in and be wide receiver number two? It's hard to say. So a lot of it's difficult not spots. Jalen Rager. No, it is not Jalen Rager. And, and free agency, sure. Uh, we haven't, uh, but at that point, again, free agency is, we say it, I've said it in many times in the past, you're, you'll, usually you'll overpay in free agency. Uh, you're you're going to, especially the, in the guy you get, mm-hmm. yeah, the guy you're going to get is not going to outperform his contract most of the time, particularly the guys in the number two tier. Uh, so the only name that I've really heard uh, as being a potential guy that the Vikings should target, this was pro football focus. They mentioned DJ Chark from the, the Lions. Mm-hmm. Um as a guy, I don't know if the Vikings like him or not. Uh, he did have two pretty solid games against the Vikings this year, and he didn't have a strong year last year with the Lions as far as getting a ton of catches. So he would be pretty affordable on the free agent market, I think. But are the Vikings interested in him? Is he interested in the Vikings? Uh, if uh, if they bring Thielen back, maybe the problem I have with TJ Shark is I think the Baby Shark song every time I hear his name, and <laughs> I've heard way too much of that song. Playing rent a grandpa, and but I will do it. I will do it if he comes to the Vikings and he excels. We can sing shark, shark, shark all day long. Yeah, I just I think that uh, with with Thielen, like a lot of these vets, it's a tough decision because of the salary cap, the performance on the field, and the fact that on our roster, we don't really have somebody who can step in a young and up and comer that we can have confidence in them coming in and taking over for Thielen. So um, another a hard decision with Thielen. There's no, the, the options that the Vikings have have pros and cons. 
and there's no slam dunk option in any case, but my preference would be move on because you, you keep restructuring. Eventually, you're going to face that cap hit at some point in time later down the road. And later down the road, the the, the position the Vikings in, might be in salary cap wise might not be any more favorable than it is now. Uh, so prepare they're for the future now. There's ways to work on it where they're actually better this year than they were in previous years because of the way they can move money around and have the space to do it. That we appreciate. A big stickler, sticking point of that is obviously our quarterback. We'll see what goes there. But they have, they're better, even though they're over this year, it's going to be relatively easy to get under and create some space to get some free agents. The quality yes. one, maybe not, but they're better this year than they were last year. And hopefully they get just- even better and better over time. And that, like, that's a crazy job so that we can pick anybody we want after that to stay in that long-term championship quality competitive window, keep it open for a decade. Indeed, yes. But But um, this man's got to clean it up. He does, and uh, I know that he won't – there will be no uh, emotion – played into the decision on Thielen. Uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of emotional reasons where you could say, oh man, you got to keep Thielen because of this, that, and the, the, the Mankato mm-hmm. thing and, and the, being from Minnesota and being a Viking fan all his life and wanting to retire a Viking and all that stuff. But none of that can really enter into your business decision, whether you want to keep Thielen or whether you want to structure, restructure him. You've got to uh, base it on, can he make, if with Adam Thielen on the team at whatever the price tag is going to be, uh, is that for the is that the best option for the Vikings offense for the Vikings team in 2023? And I've got the feeling that my view is that uh, it isn't the best option to keep him here, and that we need to start again, give it to a younger, faster, better option at this point. As much as it pains me to say that, because I like feeling, I love feeling, and what he's accomplished just as much as every other Vikings fan has. Davey, if you just jinxed Aaron, I'm going to hunt you down. But, yes, his Wi-Fi has been good. I I picked this as the last Thielen pick, the piece out. Um, I see him as now a wide receiver three and a great mentor in the locker room. Uh, He's a possession guy. His hands are still brilliant. You can get sideline catches. Inside the he just doesn't take off the top of the defense like we need somebody to do. I I think he could very well be a component. I just don't see him paying him more than like eight million as being reasonable, and even that's high. And very very salary, high, I think. We know his salary right now is just stupid high, and that, part of that was how they structured it, of course. Part of that is they're keeping players they love too long. Should be interesting to see. That brings us to the very end of the show. We have a Super Bowl tomorrow. We do. Who's your pick? Uh, unfortunately, I like the Eagles. I think they're, they're going to win. I think they got the better overall team. Even And... Um, They've got the defense. Their offense is strong enough uh, to uh, 
score enough points to outscore Mahomes, and their defense is strong enough to limit Mahomes from and that offense from going crazy 35 points or more that they're going to need to to excuse me to win that game. So I like the Eagles, and uh, unfortunately, See, I'm, I'm I don't want to. I don't. I'm yeah. rooting for the Chiefs. I can't stand the Eagles. They uh, irritate me. So I'm rooting for the Chiefs tomorrow. We'll go from there. Freddie, yes, I do think Irv Smith is a goner. I, as much as Darren may be disappointed about that, being that he was his comeback player for like three years in a row, I think he's gone. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, he is gone too. I agree. Purple and gold for days, yeah. I think even eight's too high. I, and I don't think he's going to settle for less. And I think there's some other team that may pay him that. So I think AT will probably be on a different team. Hopefully it's not spiteful and like Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers decides to come back because he likes him. You know, once he gets out his out of his uh, seclusion in the dark for 10 days or whatever weird stuff he's doing. Reminds me of uh, Altered States, the movie. And if you haven't seen it, it's classic. Very, very good. Where scientists experiments with sensory deprivation, uh, tubes, containers, and taking peyote at the same time. It is a <laughs> very, very interesting movie. Like I said, Super Bowls tomorrow. I hope for a very, very good game, competitive game. We all want to see that. We don't want to see a blowout either way. Nope. I want to see good commercials. I like funny commercials. I want to see good funny commercials. I don't want to see political bullshit. I don't want to see, fuck, uh, you know, get your Bitcoin stuff by scanning this barcode. <laughs> I want good funny commercials. And a lot of companies put into that. So I hope to see that. And I hope the halftime show is good. I think Rihanna, I like Rihanna. I think uh, hopefully she does a good job. Nobody will ever beat Prince. Nobody. Um, but I hope for all those, and it's an enjoying, an enjoyable game across the show, um, from top to bottom, that you're with good friends and good people and enjoying yourself as you watch it, eating some good food, even if it's wings, and little piggies in a blanket, or pizza, or whatever it is. I hope everybody out there watching has a great time tomorrow because it is the ultimate in sport. NFL owns everything. And uh, uh, trans commercials. Uh, unfortunately, you're probably right, GMAC. Uh, puppy bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Davey's favorite part of it, the puppy bowl. And uh, <clears throat> Purple Haze, unfortunately, is rooting for the NFC. Hey, as I told a friend here, Manny, the maintenance superintendent here, he asked me, Dave, who are you rooting for? I said, I'm rooting for the meteorite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I especially don't like the Eagles. And uh, for those that are offended by that, sorry, too bad. Uh, it's not my Vikings. So anyways, that's it. Now, I do have a question for the viewers. Before we go, Darren and I were debating before the show. Do you like the 2 o'clock on Saturday time slot, or do you prefer the 4 o'clock on Saturday time slot, central time? What is best for you? Please put that in the remarks. That'll help us um, 
schedule better as we go forward, especially through the offseason? What's the best watch time for you? Because we're going to get into some non-football viewing time because, of course, after the Super Bowl, we roll into free agency. Eight months and, and nothing. Yeah, the combine and all that. So do you prefer 2 p.m. on Saturday or 4 p.m. on Saturday? Please let us know. I will look at the remarks after this, and we will judge from that. We love you all. Great that you join us every week. Makes us happy as all gets out. Fills our heart that we have folks out there that like what we do and love our football team, the Minnesota Vikings. Any last words there, Darren? Jared Allen will be in the Hall of Fame next year. That's my last words. I hope so. Damn, I hope so. Book it. Book it now. Book it now. Their last words, we'll keep that. I'll clip that for when that announcement is made. Thanks, everybody. We're going to call it a day. You enjoy your weekend and enjoy the Super Bowl tomorrow. And what do we say, Darren? We say Skull Vikings. Skull Vikings. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found. And to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger as six months after treatment. Look younger. Feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.